We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charge podcast, coming to you live on a Sunday evening. My name is Steven. As you can tell, I'm not in my usual setup. Uh, as most of you know, I've been moving over the weekend and currently do not have internet access at our current, uh, at our new place of residence. So I'm at my in-laws house today, doing my best. So I apologize, apologize about the audio. I apologize about the internet connection. Hopefully everything kind of goes smoothly, but uh, Excited to talk about the preseason game, the NFL Top 100, as well as an update on our uh, Sunday stock. So joining me tonight to do that are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. Only only is the next preseason game the last 10 p.m. preseason game, or is it at 10 p.m.? Yeah, only one more to go, and uh, I'm making it through. Well, and I think next week is a little earlier because it's uh, oh, in New Orleans. God. Thank Isn't God. it at like six instead of seven? Oh, beautiful. <laughs> so it's, it is on a Friday night. So we'll have to, uh, we'll have a little bit of a different schedule this week as as opposed to the one we've been doing, but uh, excited for the end of the preseason for sure. Uh, Tyler's here, man. Tyler, how you doing? Doing very well. Can't wait to be done with these preseason games on awful times, you know, late Saturdays, late Fridays, you know, during the game, I was watching it and it's like, what else could I have been doing? You know, my socks need to be rearranged. You know, the floors <laughs> need mopping. There's so many other things I could have been doing than watching those special teams play. But, hey, stuck it out. Tried my best to take some notes. And uh, let's talk about it. 
Yeah, you know, definitely was, uh, you know, preseason football in general is, is really ugly, but last night took it to a, a whole nother level. Um, you know, the, the special team stuff, which we'll get to, certainly ruined the rhythm. And, you know, the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys only attempted like 13 passes the whole game, which was just kind of crazy, you know, considering the, you know, what, you know, today's NFL is like. So uh, we'll talk about a bunch of it. We'll talk about, um, you know, who stood out, who didn't stand out. Um, just really quickly, you know, I do want to kind of run through a recap of, of kind of the, you know, just I want to do a better job of like recapping the action for people who are missing these games. And so, uh, of course, the Chargers got the ball first and was Easton stick time right out the gate. Uh, and that first drive went four plays, ending in a Easton stick interception, which was, uh, you know, less than ideal for sure. Um, the defense did step up, hold that, hold the Cowboys to a to a quick three and out, which was good. Chargers answered with a field goal on that ensuing kickoff. Uh, Mr. Turpin from the USFL had a kickoff return for a touchdown, which was uh, good for that guy. I heard he was potentially on the on the borderline of making the roster or not. So, hey man, if there's a way to you know assert yourselves into a roster spot, you know, returning two kicks for a touchdown will certainly do that. Um, the Chargers did answer with uh, a touchdown drive of their own. Easton Stick leading a, a relatively long drive, 12 plays, 82 yards for a touchdown. That was the Josh Palmer screen pass that uh, ended that drive. Cowboys came back and answered with their own touchdown. Chargers punted after that. Then we had a punt but from the Cowboys, punt from the Chargers, which of course became that uh, touchdown from Mr. Turpin again. This is Ensuing- fun. I love when you recap. I know, man. I'm sorry. And right after the punt return for a touchdown, Easton Sick gets strip sacked uh, literally on the next play, which led to a Dallas Cowboys tur- uh, touchdown. And then the Chargers took a knee right before the half. So that was the quick recap of the first half. We'll get into the second half. Um, Tyler, what were your thoughts about that first half, man? Oh, the first half? <laughs> yeah, it uh, wasn't great. Uh, Brennan Staley said they didn't play well, and uh, they didn't play well. Uh, as far as special teams go, though, I will say I will pump the brakes on the overall criticism or panic, I should say. Maybe I'll pile on the criticism, but I won't panic because looking at the special teams unit, of course, I wasted a bunch of time looking up who was playing and then Daniel Popper just already had an article. Um, but whatever. You have guys who are probably not making the roster. Kimon Hall, Raheem Lane, Sebastian, Chris Jansen, Lloyd, potentially Dean Leonard. You know, those guys are out there trying to work at special teams. Yeah, they are the depth options. Sure, your depth is playing special teams usually, but I feel like even the depth that should be special being playing special teams wasn't playing. So, you know, Tyreek Maddox-Williams is not going to be out there. Um, you know, all these guys, Damon Lloyd's not going to be out there probably on special teams. You're going to have Jaw Taylor out there again, who was not on special teams, if I'm not mistaken. You'll probably have one of Michael Davis or Asante Samuel Jr., one of Drew Tranquil, one of Mark Webb. So I'm not panicking about it, but I will say that was awful that was terrible and unfortunately it did come down to i mean yes everyone was involved sure but watching jt woods not be able to make that one stop on a punt return watching dean leonard not be able to get to a guy you know these guys that they drafted to play special teams like yeah they're the depth guys but these guys were drafted to at least be able to contribute on special teams jt Woods being the third rounder didn't really look so great on special teams last night so am i worried overall not necessarily and the game before that against the Rams, I thought they were really solid, partially because of Jaw Taylor. Um, wasn't great. 
I'm not overly concerned, but I wish their draft picks to play special teams played a bit better last night. Yeah, quick shout out to uh, our guy Renee in the chat uh, with a super sticker. $20. Renee's awesome, man. We've been engaging more with him on Twitter. Uh, really high quality dude. And I will also say, in terms of the punt return, there were at least two block in the back penalties that the referees absolutely oh, missed. There were yeah, blatant block in the backs that in the yeah. regular season absolutely get called. So uh, I'll give my take on the special teams here in a second. But Alex, uh, you know, what did you make of the whole special teams debacle from last night? I just want to say shout out to, to Kevante Turpin first, uh, because that guy, I mean, yeah. he was on those TCU, Gary Patterson, Trevon Boykin teams like forever ago. Then he had a little bit of hiatus, then went to the USFL and then, you know, has kind of played his way back into that role with the Cowboys. So I think that's re- just really cool in general. Great story for sure. Um, but just in general, like, yeah, obviously you have the Dean Leonard miss and then the punt return. Uh, overall, not very good, and it just fe- I felt like the special teams was slow more than anything else. Like they just you know didn't have the best punt coverage on that on or the best kick return coverage on either of those plays. Um, I'm not you know waving the the panic flag or waving you know pressing the panic button on the special teams yet, but it was it did give me a little bit of hesitation, right? If someone like Dean Leonard is to kind of make the roster and play a spe- you know special teams role, some like. John Taylor is to play a special teams role as well. Just the fact that those guys, you know, didn't make the plays that they were kind of supposed to. um, It is a little bit disheartening Uh, at the same time, you know, anytime you give up a punt return and a kick return touchdown in the same preseason game, it's not great. And sure. Some of those guys won't be out there, but I do think there are questions for, you know, Ryan Ficken to answer for, and, and just the speed and overall efficiency of the punt return and kick return units in general. Uh, so that's not something you want to see happen in a preseason game. I understood why it happened last night, but I, overall you want to see a lot more efficiency, uh, especially for a team that has given up, you know, some big plays in some of those moments before, you know, previous charger special teams, you know, prior to last season, I would say did give up some big punt returns, kick returns that, you know, put the opposing offenses in position to succeed. So you don't want to do that come regular season, so not a lot of panic for me considering the players that will be on the field, like we mentioned. Uh, but uh, just overall, not a great day in the special teams office in general. No, and then to Tyler's point, like you know, you're going to be swapping in Drew Tranquil, you're going to be swapping in you know whoever is the loser of the CB4 battle or CB3 battle, excuse me, between Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. You know, Jalen Guyton has taken a lot of uh, reps at Gunner. Um, so it, it's going to look a lot different. Like some of these guys, of course, you know, drafted to, you know, contribute on special teams and, and you know, it, it's a similar situation to Dean Leonard and his coverage ability from last week, right? Like he was right there, right on, you know, Turpin and, and was just not able to make that play. And so hopefully that is, is something that changes in terms of silver lining from the preseason, right? You know, JK Scott is, you know, he's just, booting those balls straight up into the air. I mean, he he averaged 4.87 uh, seconds of hang time last week, 4.82 seconds of hang time this week. So that's something that is definitely upgraded. And, and the punt protection was really solid, which I guess if you're going to have issues down the field, that's probably better than having issues right at, in the protection line. So, mm-hmm. but either way, man, still not not a great look. The kickoff return to me was was definitely the bigger issue on both sides because Joe Reed, who we can certainly talk about later on, but I mean, Joe Reed tripped, he, you know, hesitated big time and ended up 
you know, getting tackled on like the four yard line uh, on one of his kick returns. So uh, kickoff coverage, kick return to me was the bigger issue than, than the actual punt return. Yeah. Giant sum of issues. I feel really bad for Joe Reed. It was just, if it could have gone wrong for him, it did. If he, the only thing he could have done worse is a Travis Benjamin in the end zone or something. Otherwise it was, it was pretty rough for him. Yeah. Just not great on the kickoff returns, kickoff coverage, whatever. It just, I don't know, but it's tough. So Dan Fouts said that they couldn't tackle in practice on special teams at all. Is that a league-wide NFLPA rule? Not, not as far as I know. I know most most practices in general, you just kind of touch them or run by them, you know, similar to yeah. how they do on defense. But I thought that you would be able to at least like hit the ball carrier. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know I don't know how it is around the league. I know in Chargers practice, and we've talked about this, they're not taking guys to the ground. They've worked tackling drills. They've worked getting to the ball carrier, but they really have never worked putting those two things together yet. I don't recall if that was different last year, but, you know, still a problem. Hopefully they iron out those wrinkles moving forward. Yeah, and another quick uh, shout-out in terms of the Super Chat feature. Um, I almost said Dalton Kincaid, who's the Utah tight end. It's not Dalton Kincaid. It's Brent Kincaid. Uh here with a super chat says, uh, cut Daniel, keep Andy, and oh my, please find a gunner on special teams. We'll certainly talk about the quarterback situation and, and of course, Michael Danny today. Uh, but I had to give a, a quick shout out to him. Um, all right, well, let's talk about Easton Stick in particular, um, and then we'll kind of dive in through the second half. I know people in the chat saying, don't recap things. I'm sorry. I just, I know that not everybody is watching these, not everybody understands like the sequence of events. So, wanted to kind of preface there. Um, Alex, what did you make of Easton Sticks day from uh, from last night? Hype train died fast. Uh, really <laughs> bad. So I don't know. I didn't think the first Easton Stick preseason game was all that good last week. And I feel like he got a lot of hype on Twitter because of his rushing ability. Obviously demonstrated some of that this game on the big uh, run against the Cowboys. But overall, as a passer still kind of the same guy like obviously can hit a couple nice throws in stride hit a screen to uh, josh palmer that resulted in a big gain but it's still kind of the same guy to me who's going to be very hit or miss particularly from a clean pocket um and that's kind of been the issue with easton stick for a while which is why when people you know talk about the upside of easton sticks athletic ability and all that he can do on the field that's been the one major drawback is that from a clean pocket, he just hasn't been able to do that and kind of showed that again last night. Um, Chase Daniel, <laughs> more or less kind of the same thing we saw in game one from him. Um, didn't think it was the strongest performance either. So overall, in terms of this QB2 battle between the two, it took a step backwards last night, really for both players, in my opinion. And, for Tom Telesco to say in this, you know, same breath, uh, same breath, I should say, that, you know, they're basically going to keep three quarterbacks on the roster regardless of, you know, what happens in the second or third preseason games. Um, I think that's really bad. I, I don't think that they should do that. And I think it's a waste of roster space and waste of efficiency. Yeah, you could say it's, you know, they're only going to keep 46 active players on game day and all that. But at the same time, um, I just don't see what either Easton Stick or Chase Daniel have done at this point to to justify a roster spot, honestly. I mean, they're going to keep both of those players. And to me, as far as the preseasons that we've seen from both so far, 
um, very underwhelming to this point, in my opinion. Yeah, really wanted to see Easton Stick take some sort of step forward, do anything, please pull away or whatever. If you're going to make the roster, at least show like, gosh, if we get if this guy gets into the game, maybe he can put up, you know, a couple of touchdowns for us. And it just, I mean, sure, if you underthrow it to Josh Palmer and you throw a screen to Josh Palmer, I guess you can score. Like, I guess that is a way you can score. Handing the ball off to Josh Kelly, Austin Eckler, whatever. Sure, I guess you can score that way, but it wasn't great. And I think the first game, they did a lot more design rollouts, a lot more Easton stick on the move intentionally sort of things. This one, it really felt like, okay, show us what you can do from the pocket. And I mean, we're talking a, a clear, easy offsides, and he dumps it at Josh Palmer's feet. You know, just bad throws, bad decision-making, stepping up and running where he shouldn't really shouldn't have. Um, I, I don't have the all 22, so it's hard to tell what the reads would be a couple of times. But there were times he just, he'd take the snap and lob it immediately to Moore or to a running back or whatever. And it's like, you couldn't have gone through maybe the progression or something there. And I guess maybe sure if Moore's one-on-one -on, -one on the outside is your bigger receiver, then maybe that's the matchup you want. But, and I kind of hope you would see something else. Um, I don't know why Steven is, why, why is everybody laughing? What did I say? So, no, Sony Vegas, <laughs> Vegas editor oh. said in the chat, not to brag, but Easton Stick used to clap my sister's cheeks in college. <laughs> Well, it's oh, probably really short because he can't sustain anything. Uh, he can't sustain uh, drives, that's for sure. <laughs> Very short drives. Um, wow. Thank you for sharing that with us, Sony Vegas editor. That's, you know, we bond over, you know, players and siblings. Um, anyway, what was I saying? <laughs> so oh, no. I'll keep us back on track. Okay. I was, okay. Here we go. Uh, yeah. Major disappointment. Look, them keeping three quarterbacks. Not a surprise. If we did a 53-man roster prediction tomorrow or today, I would say, yeah, they're probably keeping three quarterbacks. My issue is hearing Tom Telesco in the middle of the game while one quarterback looks bad and right in the middle of the other quarterback looking bad. Yeah, we're going to keep all three. You know, they're both going to be here. Who's the two? Who's the three? I don't know. We'll figure that out. But they're all three going to be here. Both those backups are going to be here. Meanwhile, Michael Bandy's out there catching his 47th pass of the preseason. And he he's going to watch that replay and go, oh, okay, so you are keeping three quarterbacks and I'm fighting for my life out there and I yeah. might not even make the team. Like despite, despite the fact that I'm probably the preseason MVP of your team right now, I might not make it because you're going to keep three quarterbacks, two of which are awful or have been awful. Uh, no stock up for them whatsoever. So very, very frustrating. In that same vein too, he did say, I don't know if you guys caught this or thought anything of it or, or nothing of it tom telesco on the running back specifically said i'm not consider i'm not you know worried about who's going to be the number two back it doesn't really matter it's going to be a running back by committee behind austin we're going to use them all does that sound like a gm who's about to keep four running backs as well to you because it kind of it sure me. does and we've been saying that the whole preseason is that they're going to keep three quarterbacks and they're probably going to keep four running backs um and it's it's just unfortunate that it feels like they made that decision before a single preseason snap was played and that's where we sit right now yeah that's the fact that telesco was up there saying that i mean i understand it's like a little local broadcast it's not like he was on nfl network or pat mcafee show talking about stuff like that but you know, just outright admitting like, hey, we knew going in that we were going to have 
this roster constraint and you know that's what they're headed into so um in terms of easton stick you know i want to you know get back to his performance uh in particular i thought last week you know his ball placement was a little off but i liked the decisions that he was making you know for the most part he was going to the right read he was processing he was running the offense at a higher level than what we had seen previously and that was with the backups. And I was like, or, you know, the backup backups, right? Like it was a third string offense. And so fast forward to this, this game, and I was like, okay, he's playing with the starters. This is going to be his one opportunity to throw to Josh Palmer, to throw to uh, Josh Kelly, and to throw to Jalen Guyton, everything like that. And it was just really, he was never able to get into a rhythm as a passer. And I didn't like the decisions he was making. The interception was a very, very small window of opportunity that Justin Herbert can make that throw. But, you know, Justin Herbert's one of six or seven quarterbacks on earth that can make that throw. And then, you know, you look at the way that the offense is just kind of limited with Easton Stick. And they did a ton of work in the shotgun last night with Easton Stick. And that's not something that they normally want to do. You know, this is something that Justin Herbert has talked about, that Chase Daniel has talked about. They want to do a lot of play action stuff. They want to do a lot of under the center concepts. And to me, that was kind of a, a rather large indictment of where Easton Stick is in his development and being just uncomfortable to go under center, which doesn't really make sense because that's what they did a lot of at North Dakota State. They are a pro style offense. So I just didn't like how we saw him really kind of seem to take a step forward in his development, his decision-making process, how he can run the offense last week. And then this week with better players around him, you know, he takes a step back in pretty much every area, including ball placement, which was not exactly great in the first preseason game. Does that feel though more like, or as much indictment on then like Joe Lombardi then, because you clearly have a player who has to be on the move who have to generate easy passes for, and he didn't really do that like last week? Or do you think this is like, look, it's the preseason. We just have to evaluate you at this as this particular kind of passer. I think it's more of the pre, more of the latter, right? They're trying to figure out what exactly Easton's dick can and cannot do. And, you know, he's not getting a ton of reps. And that that's not really his fault. You know, he's been the third quarterback, and and I, I, I totally get that. But, um, you know, we just haven't seen a ton of development. And, and there are ways throughout the offseason to make sure you are improving you know, as a passer and we just haven't, we haven't seen much of that. So um, I know people don't really like to hear this, but neither quarterback is great, right? Like the backup quarterback situation is an issue, you know, if anything happens to Justin Herbert, but to me, like it, it's still the same. I know that Chase Daniel can sit there, make reads, process, make the right decision, run the offense and mentally handle there, handle that. And he's going to be consistent. You know, he's not going to be, the kind of guy who one week is going to be really good, and then the next week he's going to be really bad. He's just going to be fine and <laughs> just bad. <laughs> he, he's, but that's but that's more workable to me than somebody who is up and down like we've seen from Easton Stick. And I wish it were different, right? I, I to me, I would much rather live in a in a backup world where you're you're dealing with like a Tyrod Taylor, like an Andy Dalton kind of backup quarterback. But I can also understand why the Chargers would not want to pay that kind of player. So it's an issue, right? But I know what I'm getting in Chase Daniel. I know that he can handle the offense. And I, I don't know those things about Easton Stick. We just haven't seen him be consistently good in that department. 
Yeah, I at least would hope and feel that Chase Daniel, with against full time actual NFL millionaire starters, could run the offense. Easton Stick, I don't even know if you can do that against the second string unit yet. So now that Chase Daniel's amazing, like we get it. We're not saying that he's good. He was bad. And thankfully, he had that last drive that basically saved his night. Otherwise, it was absolutely dog shit. Yeah. But I have I have some more faith in Daniel. But again, it doesn't really matter at this point. They're keeping three. All right. Well, I, I will not uh, bore the audience, I guess, with uh, running through the second half of recap. So let's get to some uh, more positive takes in, in terms okay. of guys who stood out and guys who who are legitimately going to impact this season. And, and you know, I think Josh Palmer certainly had a good night. I think Chris Rumpf had a couple of good plays. But Jamari Sawyer, man, is really just mm. impressing at every single turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 35 pass blocking snaps last night, did not allow a single pressure, and was a mammoth in the run game, man. He is moving folks left and right. I think he's really, you know, coming into his own. And there are certainly some weaknesses to his game and I know, I know you guys talked about you know why they're not evaluating him at right tackle yesterday so I don't necessarily want to get into that but you know what he's doing at guard and how he's able to facilitate and how he's able to be comfortable in this kind of offense has just been really impressive and I feel great about him being the first you know backup guard if you will because he has earned that to me he's been really consistent and very good in these preseason games. And I mean, I haven't been in there in practices, but it sounds like he's been doing that same kind of thing in, in uh, practices as well. So to me, Jamari Sawyer is kind of the big winner of last night, if you will. Yeah, he's so good. He's just been so good. He stepped onto the field and you could argue he's been better than Zion. If anything else, he's been more impressive, I guess, considering it's a first round pick versus a sixth round pick. And he's sort of making that transition from tackle to guard. I actually was re-watching our interior offensive line stream just for the Sawyer part. And you talked about there's really not a lot of flaws in his game. Mm-mm. Like heading into it as a prospect at tackle, trying to evaluate him, there wasn't a lot there. And even for a guy who didn't test that well, you know, the measurables aren't so great. And he admitted that the NFL saw him like that. He's still very fluid. He still can move. He can still explode out of his stance. Not hyper-athletic. He's not as athletic as, as Slater or Zion by any means. But he can get the job done. And man, he's just a different player. Um, someone in our mailbag, which I have for YouTube members and Patreon supporters, asked for me to rank you know, the, the top performances from the last game. I haven't gotten to this one yet, but from the last game, Sawyer clearly, to me, with Hymas, was the two best performances of the day. He just, and that's with the pressure allowed, sure. But he looks so good, in particular, in the run game. There's just a difference between him and Hymas or him and any of the other backup interior offensive linemen. He moves people. He's fluid. He looks awesome out there. I'm not rushing him. You know, I'm not cutting Filer next year for any reason, just because I think Sawyer's that good. But, man, he looks so good so far. I'm very, very pleased with it basically just translating perfectly. Everything you thought he was, he is and more. I'm really happy with his development so far. It's a big win for Nugent and Sarrett, Sarrett, Sean Sarrett, Sarrett uh, yep. those guys so far. Yeah, I mean, for Zion to translate, in theory, Pipkins potentially got better. Um, and, and for Sawyer to already be transitioning and looking so good, I mean, hats off to them so far. 
Yeah, um, I think everything you've seen from Jamari Salyer so far in the preseason has been really good. Um, obviously, continued that last night. Everything you've seen from Zion has been really solid, uh, especially last night. So it's been a big win for the OL room. And the fact that he's kind of already, when we talk about Jamari, surpassed Jaimez, uh on the depth chart and, you know, who was you know just a pick last year by this coaching staff, uh, I think is really, you know, just important to point out as a whole. Obviously, you talk about Josh Palmer. Um, Michael Bandy continues the preseason on preseasons. If they are going to keep a wide receiver six, it absolutely you know has to be him. And I, I don't think that's going to happen at this point because they're going to keep three quarterbacks and four running backs over someone like Michael Bandy, who, who's been falling out and looking like the preseason equivalent of Keenan Allen uh, <laughs> you know, in these games. But, um, yeah, I mean, those have to be, you know, you look at the wide receiver room, you look at the offensive line room, and those were definitely the big winners uh, if there were some in this uh, Cowboys game. Not that there were many winners on the Chargers uh, throughout the game, but uh, those are the position groups that clearly did the best. Yeah, Tyler, what do you have uh, bandy at if you're including the scrimmage? Where is it, where it's, what's the stat line at right now? 20 receptions on 26 targets for 180 yards and two touchdowns. And I'm sure his passer rating when targeted is awesome outside of that one, you know, drop ish interception, hot potato, yeah. uh, just, just amazing so far. Yeah. Uh, in terms of passer rating when targeted last night, he was, it was a perfect 142 uh, with his eight catches on eight targets. And I think it was like 60 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, Bandy has been really good, man. He's he's impressive with his route running. He's impressive after the catch. I think he's got a little bit more wiggle than a lot of people would think, just kind of mm -hmm. looking at him and kind of looking at his physical profile. But uh, no, he, he had a great night again last night, and that was with both quarterbacks, right? He had some catches with Stick. He had some catches with Chase Daniel, kind of uh, like Tyler mentioned, kind of saving that offensive uh, second half on that final drive. But I, uh, you know, I keep on getting this comment from a lot of people and I agree with it, right? I have, I don't have any concerns that Easton Stick would uh, get claimed on waivers from somebody else. I definitely have a concern about Michael Bandy getting claimed oh. from somebody else if they cut him. So Bandy's been great, man. He's earning a roster spot. I hope that's with the Chargers, but uh, I, I do expect him to be on a, a roster this year somewhere. Yeah, a, a, a basically a free receiver on the waiver wire who can get open short game somewhat intermediate probably could even get open deep and he, he he did that one play that stick missed him just by a tiny bit hyper productive two different quarterbacks that look good with him i mean just there's there's no way there's no way he's not going to be claimed on waivers by some team why wouldn't you want that on your team unless of course you'd like to keep three quarterbacks four tight ends four running backs <laughs> six fullbacks and all that sort of stuff six fullbacks can you imagine um, all right, Tyler, anybody that you want to give a shout out for uh, standing out last night? I will give Trey Pipkins a shout out for standing out in a positive way. Watching his, granted, they get 12 reps or whatever it is, 12 yeah. pass blocking reps and a couple of run blocking reps. So it's not a lot to go off of, but I do think after a pretty miserable Wednesday practice, I'm not sure how Thursday went, uh, he not fight facing Micah Parsons and other guys looked very solid. I think he climbed to the second level in the run game very well. I think he blocked well. I think he he does like I, I never watched Trey Pipkins, but I can still tell there's a different athlete, more explosive guy out of his stance this year. And it really showed last night. He was very smooth, uh, gave up zero pressure statistically anyway. I didn't have a single negatively blocked play for him. 
I thought he looked really solid. And in a night where Storm Norton, I think, had two pressures, or at least by my count, two pressures, and should have been called on a holding. I think that went to Hunter, but everybody sort of held. Um, I think Pipkins, for really the first time, took that step forward and got away from Storm Norton in this battle. And I think that he's maybe starting to finally pull away. I thought he looked really solid and good for him for that. Yeah, there was a, a super chat earlier that I meant to bring up, and uh, I apologize for not remembering who it was, but they were asking about you know, Trey Pipkins and if he had done enough uh, last night and kind of separating himself and himself from uh, Storm Norton. And you know, initially, you know, we shared this in the Discord, but initially, Pro Football Focus. Oh, it was Renee. Cool. Um, shout out to Renee again for the super chat there. Um, but on the initial grade, you know, PFF had Norton with three pressures and then one additional time that he was beaten. Uh, that didn't result in a pressure. So um, that ended up only being one pressure and then one time that he was beaten that did not result in a pressure. So it wasn't necessarily a super bad night for Storm Norton, but I think we've, at least in the preseason games, I think we've just kind of seen Trey be a little bit more consistent, which is is kind of crazy to say. So I'm I'm definitely not, you know, trying to build a hype train, expecting him to be like this great player. But I do feel like Trey is kind of, not separated himself, but he's inching closer and closer towards being the choice, in my opinion. And, um, you know, at this point, we'll just have to hope that they don't have many reps against Micah Parsons in, in the regular season. <laughs> yeah. I guess they won't, uh, so that's good. <laughs> no Cowboys on the schedule this year. Yeah. One of the benefits. Um, no, I mean, I, I think Trey Pipkins definitely kind of continued – some of the momentum that he had at the end of last season when he got those two starts uh, and got into those games. And so we finally saw a little bit of a continuation of that when it comes to when it came to Trey Pipkins. Uh, didn't really see it in the first preseason game as much in terms of him separating himself from Norton. Uh, so I um, just really was uh, pleased to finally see that Trey Pipkins, you know, started to separate himself because we sort of expected him to be the starter going in um, over Storm Norton. But the fact that we're finally starting to see some positive movement there uh, is a good thing. Granted, it's against backup, you know, uh, edge rushers and against backup defensive linemen. So, you know, it's not like he went up against Michael Parsons last night. But uh, I do still think that ultimately Pipkins probably is the right tackle starter uh day one of the season whether he'll be by week three of the season i don't know that that's still a lot left yeah. to be said there considering you know how been, how much things could change um but definitely last night was the first like real positive step we've seen towards trey pipkins you know gravitating towards that job yeah you know brandon said he was asked about uh you know he was asked a few weeks ago about would they ever consider like rotating the guys like if you know trey you know, is a better matchup for this team when they go to storm for the next team or something like that, uh, which I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> but um, Like they'll pick a guy, right? And I think they'll stick with him. I think they showed last year with storm that they'll be patient and they'll allow that guy to kind of get his chance. So, um, you know, I, I think Trey, if he is the choice, will be better than storm was last year. How much obviously remains a question mark, uh, but we'll uh, get to that point in a second. So, um, one other guy that I wanted to mention here was Carlo Kemp, the edge rusher yeah. from uh, Michigan and the USFL. I wasn't really expecting a ton out of him this year. You know, I was messaged before they or right after they signed him, 
that he might be kind of a Morgan Fox type of player, more of like an interior pass rusher. And, you know, he could certainly do that. He weighs 290 pounds. You know, he, he fits the profile a little bit more. But uh, three pressures last night, three run stops as well. So uh, just a really productive day for him. I, you know, he got to play a ton of snaps last night. His MK Egbley was out with an injury. Uh, so, you know, Jamal Davis and Carlo Kemp basically played like the whole, you know, second, third, and fourth quarters. And and I thought Kemp played well, you know, showed some good power, showed some good rush ability as well. Um, going to be interesting if MK misses time, do they kind of give Carlo uh, Kemp a little bit more of a chance than we initially thought? Again, this is the last week of the preseason, you know, coming up. And so uh, they got to make this decision quickly because uh you know they got to figure out if it's davis is going to be a fourth guy if it's mck if it's carlo kemp or if it's none of the three if they just kind of roll with the three plus kyle vanoy but i thought kemp played pretty well last night yeah he really did there wasn't a whole lot going on in the pass rush department for the chargers but kemp really stood out they had pressures um i believe he had a pressure and then there was a dump off and he still ran down the field and made yeah. the tackle as well yeah. like, really good stuff the pass broken up uh, just great, like good stuff. Ty Shelby is supposedly coming back for that next game. I would assume MK Egbule is as well. Um, I would be interested in them not letting Chris Rumpf out there. Like, you, you kind of know what you got. Yeah. He looks good. Sit him out. Let these four guys go at it, and or three, no, four guys go at it, and see what you get. I think Jamal Davis does have the lead there. I do think he inevitably is that guy. But it's nice to see someone like Carlo Kemp as, hey, you got to develop some guys, and you know, I liked what Ty Shelby did in the at the at, at camp. Just he's mm-hmm. been hurt, so it's nice to have a couple of guys you feel somewhat decent about potentially on your practice squad. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think coming away with the edge depth that's going to be on the roster. Um, you know, especially when Kyle Illinois probably moves back to edge at some point, uh, and then you have your Jamal Davis and Emeka who could potentially be on the roster, Carlo Kemp who could be on the practice squad. So. I think it worked out really well all the way around. And um, if Carlo Kemp is sort of that practice squad guy, I think you feel really comfortable with him being your sixth or your seventh uh, edge rusher in that capacity. So overall, really good night for him. Um, obviously, Amike Agbele is coming off the you know seven pressure game last week. So um, yeah, things going really well um, in the edge room. Um, can't say the same for the interior defensive line so far in the preseason but the edge room definitely off to a pretty good start. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, uh, anybody else that you guys want to mention in terms of uh, more positive light before we talk about some duds? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. All right. So, you know, I guess I'll start this one off too. In, in terms of duds, I don't, duds is a little bit strong considering where this player at is at in his development. But I, I guess I have a question of when should we start being concerned about JT Woods and his ability to not finish plays. And it was really, mm-hmm. really obvious last night that he just, he's not able to fully trust his technique, trust his athletic ability to go out there and finish these plays. And, you know, in particular, the play that really stands out to me is that um, it was a swing pass. I think it was to um, their running back, Davis. I think it was the, it might have been the tight end, but you see JT was just bolt down and get in position. And it was a great read. You know, he was in there in a hurry, but mm-hmm. then he just he hesitates, he pauses, and he's not able to make that tackle and ends up being a miss. He had three missed tackles on the night. So, whether it was special teams, whether it was that specific mm-hmm. tackle, the, I, I'm just seeing a lot of hesitation from JT Woods. And that's not really something that I saw on tape at college, right? I thought that there was some poor tackling technique for sure, but he was always very decisive and very downhill um, at Baylor, which is you know one of the reasons that I was excited about the pick. So, uh, Alex, I guess I'll start with you. How concerned about JT Woods are, are you, if at all? Um, I wouldn't say I'm particularly concerned about JT Woods in terms of his long-term development. Definitely, you know, rough out the gate here in terms of finishing plays. Um, we've also seen that from Dean Leonard uh, this preseason in terms of, you know, just wrapping up tackles, finishing what should have been finished or drawing some penalties. So I think JT Woods is definitely a little bit concerning, kind of just playing off that raw athleticism and getting the feel for the timing right now in the preseason. But uh, this is sort of the time to make mistakes, I guess, if you are JT Woods, um, if you are Dean Leonard. And so I'm not terribly concerned at this point, and he's obviously kind of going to be brought in a little bit slowly with probably Alohi Gilman still on the team. We'll kind of see about Mark Webb. Um, and, you know, obviously you have Derwin and Nas starting. So I still think JT Woods will be given his time to kind of be brokered into that charger secondary that um you know in in terms of how brandon stilly will want to use him so not concerned yet still think the you know talent and obviously the speed that he'll play within the nfl will play for itself uh especially as he gets more reps and more opportunities but definitely you saw just mm, you know you could argue he was overdrafted a little bit and just how raw i guess the potential is there for him to eventually get to that point potentially replacing the Sierra Adderley uh, on this roster. So uh, that's just how I felt about the JT Woods game last night. Um, but obviously, you know, I'm not terribly concerned on a scale of one to five. It's it's probably a two. Yeah, Arjun scarily had the same thought that I did, which is that is anyone getting Jaleel Adai vibes from JT Woods? Uh, as a strong safety, no. I thought Jaleel that was a good strong safety, but when they moved him to free, it was a bit odd and things didn't quite work out. Uh, do I think he'll end up like that? No. But just based yeah. on what was happening, that's kind of the vibe. That's the first thing that I thought of as well. Am I concerned about the missed tackles? Well, sure, but I'm not like concerned for his long-term future. I'm not worried that's going to be something that plagues him forever. Again, they are not tackling. Like these two games and maybe the scrimmage, um, excuse me, the, the, the um, joint practice with the Cowboys, that's kind of it for him. Like he basically hasn't tackled. 
since college. And so he's still trying to figure out all that. And the mistakes are still there. It's still leaving his feet. He's not a big guy anyway. So guys are going to blow right through him. Yeah. I'm still ducking his head. Those things are all issues, but we all felt rewatching it, that it was correctable. The concern I have is what you brought up, which is the hesitation because JT Woods watching, we've literally sat there and watched all of his missed tackles in college football last year. And most of them, if not all of them, he was right there. Like the instincts were there. It was great. He was fast, instinctive. He just couldn't make the tackle, but that's coachable. To see him now hesitate, that yeah. is actually a step back for him. So that's the more concerning part. Small sample size. It's one game. And I, I think these things can be cleaned up during the year. It's just He's just going to have to make mistakes and or make some good plays too. And it's going to be there. But that part is concerning. I do think at this point, you may have to keep five safeties. Uh, I just don't know. If Mark Webb is not your free safety, deep safety, like JT Wood's supposed to be. And I don't think they think he is either. And if although he is that other guy, I think if he's healthy, you might have to keep five just to kind of let things calm down for a bit. Like, do you want to go right away and have JT out there versus the Chiefs and the Raiders to start the year? Like, I mean, I mean maybe. I don't know. Maybe he shows up and does really, really well. Yeah. Um, not saying, oh, he's all that great. Don't get me wrong. But he's at a pretty solid camp. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the ceiling isn't there by any means. But I feel like, you know, the floor is kind of there. And I feel like you might just get it consistently fine out of Alohi Gilman. Whereas JT Woods, you just can't have these these drive extending missed tackles. And yeah. there were. So um, that combined with him being a bit of a worry on special teams for the same reasons, not being able to either get down there or make the tackle or stay in his lane or whatever. Um, that's more concerning to me. But yeah, I think he'll be fine. But it was not a good game. No, it wasn't. And then, you know, you're talking about roster construction, right? I think like we, the three of us, you know, kind of pictured like, okay, best case scenario, right? Like Mark Webb, he really kind of improves upon his, you know, 2021 training camp. He becomes the guy that they're kind of hoping could play in the box, play some slot. He's been injured. He's practiced like four times in training camps so far. He has not played in either preseason game. Um, and you know, I, last week, Brandon Staley said that his calf injury is, is kind of lingering and well, that's not really great. You know, Raheem Lane kind of comes on strong. We haven't really heard much about him. Um, didn't necessarily play bad yesterday, but didn't stand out either. And, you know, JT Woods is kind of struggling. And so, you know, we kind of pictured, okay, like you drafted JT, he's making the roster, Mark Webb, he's going to come into his own and make the roster. And that's going to push Alohi Gilman kind of out of the way, but Aloha has been really solid and he's been uh, a player that they have been semi excited about. I want to say that they're like, you know, super thrilled about his potential. Right. But he's just a solid presence and he's not injured. So, um, you know, he's kind of, Oh, looks like we lost Alex there for a second. Uh, hope he's able to get back in the show. <laughs> oh, there he is. Okay, good. So yeah, Alohi just is kind of been a solid presence and, almost by default it is going to make the roster. So it's a question mark for sure in the short term, but I like, I, I don't think any less of JT Woods is long-term potential at this point. Yeah, I would agree. And if you watch the pass breakup by Carlo Kemp, that was a quick screen to a wide receiver with JT Woods came flying to go. Mm. And he was going to hit that receiver. I don't know if he'd make the tackle, um, <laughs> but he did beat it perfectly. And it did look like the timing was perfect but he's going to drop that receiver for no gain or a loss. So 
didn't get a chance to do it. And if he did, could be a different conversation that we're having right now. Like, okay, there's what we wanted to see. There's the instincts and the the physical skills connecting. Um, Didn't get a chance to do it. But that that was there on tape. So that's good. Yeah. Alex, uh, anybody that you want to bring up in terms of uh, being a dud from yesterday? Um, Cherry Tillery, Christian Covington. (laughs) Come on, he had a pressure. He showed up. Interior defensive line. Um, yeah, yeah. Last night was not good from an interior defensive line standpoint, and it made me a little bit concerned. Obviously, we're going to see Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson and all those guys when the regular season comes around. Um, but Jerry Tillery and Christian Covington are probably making this roster, uh, and they're probably going to play relatively significant snaps. Uh, and to see the effort that they gave last night being relative zeros uh, on the stat sheet and just not having that impact that they should have had in the run game at times, in the pass rush game at times. Um, Morgan Fox kind of played okay, um, but aside from I that... Thought, I thought Fox was fine, yeah. Yeah, Fox was fine. Um, but aside from that, pretty quiet night from the interior defensive line as a whole, and it's you know kind of back-to-back weeks here for both Tillery and Covington. So um, the fact that you're not seeing more from those guys and they do kind of view those two as pivotal cogs on the roster at this point, at least in terms of depth, that is the you know concerning part to me. Yeah, it definitely was not the, the Rams performance where I thought the rotation overall outside of Jerry Tillery um, looked really solid. Of course, you know, I thought Fajoko looked fine. I thought Gaziano looked great. Um, Gaziano's not going to make it, unfortunately, but he looked really good. Uh, how do I feel about this group? I think Covington flashed a bit. He, he flashed more than the first game, I think. Yeah, I think even absolutely. Statistically, I think he did as well. Um, but yeah, I don't, don't feel super great. I, I'm curious. It felt like Fajoko's snaps, maybe I'm wrong, but it felt like his snaps took a step back. In terms of the rotation, maybe he took more snaps. He yeah. probably took more snaps because there were more drives. Um, but it felt like they were like, okay, let's let's try out Covington a bit more. Let's try Otito, which is fine. I, I get Otito. Um, and he took a bit of a step back. So I don't know if that's things to come or if that's just, hey, we're trying something different this particular game. And then the third game, we'll go back to more of a normal rotation. So uh, we'll see. But if it is Covington, if it is Tillery, if it's Fox, like I'm Stay healthy. Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, stay healthy, man. <laughs> yeah, in terms of the snaps, I think Covington, Fajoko, and Otito played a, a similar amount of snaps. I think it was around 20 for each of those three players. But I felt like I didn't see Covington that much early, and I saw him more late than I did Fajoko, mm. if that makes sense. like I, I remember yeah. Christian Covington getting reps in the fourth quarter last night, and I don't think mm-hmm. Fajoko played in the fourth quarter, uh, at least to my recollection. So... It is going to be, you know, again, very interesting. How do they kind of cipher out that last position? Because Joe Gaziano, I think he played 16 snaps and he had two pressures. He had a sack. He had a quarterback hit and he had three run stops. Like that guy, all he does is come out here and produce. And it's like, well, that's great, but you're not making the roster like almost regardless. So it's just as, you know, I hope that they are able to kind of sort this out because, you know, I will say Christian Covington, I'm starting to figure out really like what he does well and what he doesn't. And, you know, if you're if he's playing against a team that's going to do a lot of outside zone, yeah, I think Christian Covington is able to kind of ride that wave and then just be you know a playmaker in those instances. But you know, last night the the Cowboys just 
anytime Covington was in, we're just like, okay, we're going to run duo at Covington and at Jerry Tillery, and you're not going to be able to stop it. And so he he can't he cannot set a line of scrimmage, whereas Fahoko can absolutely do that very unique thing. And I think that that should fit more of what they're looking for. Like I think that's a real strength mm-hmm. of Sebastian Joseph Day. I think that's a real strength of Austin Johnson. I think that's a strength of, of Tito at, yep. at some point down the line. But Cummington is not that player. He is not able to set the line of scrimmage whereas as those other players are. But I think Covington can be a useful defensive lineman in, against an outside zone team and be able to kind of, you know, create a gap where there isn't really one or be able to kind of ride the wave and then shed a block at the last instance. But if you're asking him to take on double teams, if you're asking him to make plays at the point of attack, that's just not who he is at this point, in my opinion. Uh, Tyler, anybody that you wanted to bring up in terms of uh, a potential dud? Um, not in particular. I think we've we've covered most of it, and we've covered most of those guys. I would say some of the running backs, and there were just kind of some errors here and there, um, but also the blocking wasn't great anyway, and the Cowboys defense yeah. just played pretty well overall. So, I mean, there's sort of a dud, but not really. Like, it wasn't all on them. So, no, I think we've got most of the guys. Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of that second half run blocking, man, it was not a good night for Brendan Hymas and Ryan Hunter and Foster Serrell and Zach Bailey. Mm-hmm. So it was almost just like Sawyer was kind of out there on his own um, at certain points of the game. So um, hopefully that improves in the last game. Uh, wanted to bring up the super chat question from uh, Michael Lopez earlier. Uh, keeping three quarterbacks, four running backs, Covington potentially over for Hoko, and Bandy losing a roster spot sounds just about right for us. Who do we get to blame for this problem? Um, I answered this in the chat. It's it's Staley, Telesco, and Ficken in that regard. I, I think that you know Staley because he's the head coach, and in particular on defense. Like if defense, any defensive decision is pretty clearly Brandon Staley's, and yeah. then Telesco, of course, and then Ficken because Ficken supposedly in charge of some of the back half of the roster. Probably not Covington and Fahoko related, but in terms of the running backs and the wide receivers, I mean, probably the DBs. Yeah, those things. I think he's definitely involved with that. So not that if they keep Roundtree, like, oh, Ryan Ficken, like he pounded the table for Larry Roundtree. Probably not. But Larry Roundtree on the opening kickoff is one of the wings next to uh, Xander Horvath. So he is a a starter last night on special teams. So I guess, sure, you could blame him. But it's really those three guys. But it all starts with Staley. It's his roster. Yeah, uh, I mean, as much as you're going to give Staley the praise for anything that happens with this team, I mean, he could decide to keep two quarterbacks if he wanted. He could probably decide to keep three running backs if he wanted. Um, but here we sit here, and Tom Telesco is just kind of doing the same things he used to do, and it doesn't really seem like Staley, who has relative roster control in these kind of situations, is standing up to him or you know changing his mind on those sort of things. So, um, yeah, I do think it's the collective brain trust, as Tyler said. Yeah, absolutely. It's I, I agree with that order, and it absolutely is is uh, you know in terms of defensive personnel, like it is it is Staley, right? You know, we heard uh, in the interview with uh, Haley Elwood that Jay Rogers has no has noticed that Brain Poco is a much better player this year. Uh, we just have to hope that you know he's not the only one noticing that. So, um, you know, we'll see. Um, all right, let's get to our Sunday stocks. We'll do a quick update there. And then we got some takes about the NFL top 100 we got to get to for sure. 
was not expecting 53 minutes of the preseason game, but it's all good. So we'll run through <laughs> our uh, Sunday night stocks pretty quickly here. Um, okay. This is is this mine? Mine's up first? Okay. This is yours. I feel like Trey, we can say stock up. I would. I would personally. Yeah. Asante, I almost say you have to go back down to 10. You know, Michael Davis taking yeah, I, the bulk of the right. reps this week. So I think that's that's fair. Have to hold on Paro. Mm. Uh, I would say back down for JT. I, I don't know what to do with Bryce Callahan. I mean, he's fantastic. You know, he's a great player for them. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, Chris Rumpf, I would say hold at the six. Uh, I have him at five already. Yeah, just okay. hold. Okay, so hold is okay. good. Dean, hold at the two, I think is fair. I might go down to one. Who, Hymas? No, Dean. Oh, we're holding him. Okay. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would say hold okay. for Dean because I don't think he was bad last night outside of like the one special teams play. Yeah, it didn't get worse from the Rams game. Yeah. Um, Hymas, I could go down or hold. Hold's fine. Nick Neiman hold. French. He's already at a one. He was cut. Negative so. one. Zero? Like ten, I guess zero. What if he guy gets a, cut? I'll take a zero on French, I guess. It's fine. Okay. Just put the GTA like wasted in the value <laughs> chart. Uh, I mean, if you guys know from the broadcast angle, if Dean Leonard was awful in coverage, more power to you. But uh yeah, those of you in the chat. Um, Kent Moyer, I'm, I'm fine holding. Jamal Davis, I think you hold there as well. So not a great week for my guys, but it's all good. Okay. Okay, I'm going to try to remember all those. All right, here's mine. Palmer, what do we think? Hold. I'd say hold at the 11, yeah. Okay. Fox. Same. Hold. Parm hold. Okay. Hold, I guess. Uh, he didn't really do anything. Yeah. yeah. He didn't do much and he got hurt. So, right. That's fun. Which we didn't really talk much about that. But, uh, what did we say? We said down on Woods, right? Mm-hmm. Hold, hold there on Rumpf. Yeah. I think Webb, you have to say down because he's been injured and yeah. has not played like at all. Wouldn't Parham be the same thing then? That's fair. Okay, so hold well, on. I, I would say the difference is just Parham has a more established role at this point compared to what Webb is. You know, is kind of fighting to make the team and obviously hasn't gotten to play in either preseason game versus I feel like we know what Parham's role is regardless of whether he's healthy or not right now. Okay, you guys want down then? Yeah. Yeah, I agree okay. with Alex. Uh, Fahoko, I said hold. Said hold for Neiman, right? Hold for Neiman. <laughs> Down, probably for more. Yeah, I put him at zero point two five. Yeah, okay, here we go. Eight targets for Jason Moore last night and two catches. I mean, some of that was obviously, you know, Stick and Daniel each just had blatant misses on a go ball to Jason Moore, but uh, yeah, it was not good. Uh, Bandy, Bandy, Bandy up, yeah, yeah, probably at a four. 
yourself four dollars. Okay. All right, Alex. Here we go. Uh hold. Fox and Vandalam. I think both of those are hold. Spiller, we said hold. Eh. Never mind. Hold. Hold. Probably. I would love I I, know, I understand why they're giving these reps to Joe Reed, but I just I want to see DeAndre Carter returns in some mm-hmm. case, man. Yeah. I, but see, like I almost feel like they do that because they're comfortable with where Carter sure, is, and they sure. just want to see what Reed could do. But I, sure. I think all of those are probably holds. Uh, Didn't we say down for Mark Webb? Uh, we did. Oh, jeez. So, did I not bring Woods down from what I had him before? No, you did. Oh, God. Yeah, he was at. Wasn't he at six last time? Yes, because we stock up last week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're good right. there. And Sorry, so Mark Webb sits down. Yeah. See, that's your fault, Alex. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, Will Clap, I think you could say, I think you could make an argument for up, but he is still a backup. We did have mm-hmm. some really good reps from what I saw. Again, it was just highlights that the Chargers posted on YouTube, uh, but he did have some really good reps from what I saw there. He was good ish in the in the preseason game but mm-hmm. i certainly am not down on will crap at this point and Sounds i good. think eason stick is up because they just guaranteed him a roster spot right <laughs> yeah that's yeah <laughs> I, i'll so actually buy that five dollars i mean they Shut just up. they just <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you 250 how about that i'll Which take adjusted it for you no i'm kidding no he said it too <laughs> gaziano gaziano I mean, had a good game uh, he, he, he's got like zero chance to make the roster at this point. <laughs> Good game. <laughs> um, jeez, I'll let you decide that one, Tyler. I think you hold. Thanks. MK, hold. Okay, here we'll, we'll do this. I think that's an up. I think MK is a down because Jamal Davis, I think, is going to take his spot now. Yeah, that's a, that's that's acceptable. That's fair. That's fair. There. All right, Tyler, now we get everybody's favorite part of the show where Tyler has to do some quick Google Maps. No, I already did, man. It was automatically going. 56. Oh, let's go. Yeah, screw you guys. Uh, (laughs) Game $2. Tyler Uh, figured out how to work spreadsheet. Watch out. I get 25 cents. Is that where I'm at? That's extra stocks. (laughs) Oh. Oh, wait, crap. Hold on. Yeah, I think I gained $2. You're at 56. Sorry, we're out of order. What am I at? At. Extras at 56? That's a shame. Wait. Hold on. Are you both tied? Are we tied? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's 54. Did you not get anything, Alex? Oh, yeah, because these two were the only ones that moved. No. Did you do the end function properly? I yeah. thought I was 56. No, that's that's Steven. Mm. 10, 20, 26. I'm 56 in my own head. Easton Stick is making this roster, so you got to bump him up a couple points in my opinion. This <laughs> <laughs> is like, like uh, I don't know, some illegal trading. Yeah, man, 54. Easton East Stick's whole Chargers career is an illegal stock trade, so I mean... <laughs> oh, boy. 
All right. There we go. Hanging on to Michael Bandy for one more week. Just going to keep that stock going, man. All right. Well, that was much faster than last time. There we go. So we fixed the spreadsheet. It's all good. Barely. All right. Well, uh, we'll get to some takes really quickly about the uh, top 100. So uh, in terms of being good, you know, Austin Eckler comes in at 46. I was uh, not expecting him to be that high on this list. I thought he would make it, but I didn't think he would be at 46, which is good to see. Uh, right opposite end of the spectrum, Darwin James at 43, Justin Herbert at 40, uh, and then Keenan Allen pretty high at, as well at 35. So a uh, bit of a mixed bag there. Tyler, uh, where do you want to start with the NFL top 100 from uh, today at least? Sorry, someone said the spreadsheet was wrong and they manually counted. Then they said, never mind. So thanks for making me look at that while Stephen was talking. No, actually, I think Damien is right. I think I am at 56. You can ignore his comment where he says, never mind. Um, so we're talking about the, the the everybody that was listed, yes? Everybody that was just dropped? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really ever talk about Slater and Lindsley making it. Or the new guys, I should say. Yeah, but uh, just the new guys today is fine. I mean, I like... I have no issue yeah. with where Lindsley was based on sure. how they typically vote, and Slater was mm-hmm. higher than I thought he would be as well. So, uh, but yeah, from today, what were your thoughts on the the top fifty to thirty? I think it was surprised. I for different reasons. I did not think that Austin Eckler at that point would have made it because he was he wasn't even on it last year, and I, and I guess sure there were injuries involved, but like. I, from going from nothing all the way to where he was, I was definitely surprised. And that was that was great to see. I mean, he deserves it. He's awesome. I think he's a special running back in this league, in the lead league and touchdown, sixth in total scrimmage yards. I'm all for it. Keenan Allen definitely would not have put him over Justin Herbert. Frankly, there's not really anybody of the group that I put over Justin Herbert, especially because yeah. he is the quarterback. Um, but still, Keenan Allen, a lot of respect from his peers. At this point, when I, if I do another top 10 rankings or 15 rankings of wide receivers next year, and if I don't just do numbers, I probably will factor in the fact that the league and his peers really respect Keenan Allen. Like, even if the numbers aren't there, everyone's yeah. like Keenan Allen is a top, top receiver. So I'll probably consider that moving forward. That said, Justin Herbert at what was it 40, right? 40. 40 yeah. I don't even understand how. I mean, I understand if you're an executive, maybe, or if you're. Emmanuel, you know, Emmanuel. yeah, yes, thank you. Yes, <laughs> um, because wins are a quarterback stat or whatever, but 39 other players in the league were better than Justin Herbert last year. No, come on, like, like I said in um, a different post, you know, he he put up the fourth highest expected points added of any quarterback in any NFL season since ESPN has been charting. Granted, he did have 17 games, and he's like 40th in the league. I mean, yeah, I, I don't buy that so. Happy for for Keenan, for Durbin, obviously, um, for Austin Eckler. Uh, I mean, happy for Justin Herbert too. It's just a bit of surprise that he wasn't that high. And like everybody else says, you know, in the chat or when as soon as you know Herbert's ranking was released, Burrow's probably going to be in the top fifteen, uh, despite the fact that he didn't really have that much of a better season. But his his team went further, so he'll be up twenty five spots higher. Yeah, the the whole vibe in Justin Herbert's like montage was was pretty cool. Like you would have thought that that guy was like a, a top 10 player based off of just like, you know, the players that they were talking in the way that they were talking about him, the music and everything like that. So I don't know, man, like 40, 39 players in the NFL better than Justin Herbert was last year is just crazy to me. And I mean, like 
obviously I'm not asking all these players to look at EPA per play, but like the man was second or third in basically every, you know, passing category. He's been shattering records left and right. And I know for a fact, everybody was watching that Sunday night football game. So uh, in week 18, that is. So, you know, put some respect on our guy's name. Like there's, there's not 39 players in league better than him. And, I think if you ask any, you know, Joey's going to be higher than this, of course, and it sounds like JC Jackson will as well. But I think if you ask people to like really rank, you know, the Chargers top 10 players, and we, we, I think we did something similar there, at least in terms of tiers and things like that. But Justin Herbert is number one. And I, I think Joey Bosa is one of the best edge rushers in the league. I think you're talking about Derwin James as the top safety in the league. But Justin Herbert is the Chargers' best player. And I think he should have been. Uh, voted as such by the players. But he's not their most important player. <laughs> JC Jackson is. I know. I remember. <laughs> I said it important for this specific season, not for, you know. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that Justin Herbert being at 40 is just weird. Like, I don't even understand what they were doing there. Like, yeah, like theoretically, if you're stupid, you could put him at 40. Um, I, I just don't understand it as a whole. I don't even know what show Emmanuel Acho hosts don't care about it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, putting him at 40 is just pretty blasphemous when he's clearly one of the top five quarterbacks um, in this league as a whole. I was happy Austin Eckler made it. Um, pleasantly yeah, kind of relieved yeah. by that just because I think they put Austin uh, Alvin Kamara at 56 and then I was like, oh, is Austin Eckler going to make the list? And then they, you know, put him at 46. So just cool to see that his peers, you know, view him the way they do. Uh, and then seeing Keenan, you know, being where he should be on the list and Derwin, fortunately, um, you know, making the list as well. Um, JC and, and Bosa still to come. Uh, probably in that top 30, uh, like we kind of said. But yeah, just really confusing on Justin Herbert. I, I'm not surprised that Joe Burrow is eventually going to be higher because of the postseason run and all that and how that tracks with you know how the players kind of evaluate things. But I was, uh, I was excited for Austin Eckler to kind of make it and see his journey all the way from 2018 to, to now, you know, and, and see how far he's come. Uh, that's just cool. He's, you know, a consensus top 50 player in the league now. But other than that, I'm not, you know, terribly surprised by these results. But it, it was just weird being like someone asking me after the Austin Eckler ranking drop, like, where do you think Justin Herbert's going to be? And I'm like, oh, he'll be top 25. And then, oh, he's 40. Then I'm like, yeah, okay, what yeah. happened here? But yeah, no, weird ranking. But overall, excited that, you know, all of them obviously made the list and uh, still have JC and Joey to come. Yeah, I think if you, even if you asked Keenan Allen about like being ranked higher than Justin Herbert, I think he would probably take a little issue with that himself. Um, but you know, obviously, it's great to see where Keenan ended up. I think you know we talked about this and the way that his peers respect him and how many young guys coming up say they want to emulate Keenan Allen's game, which is, is great to see. But you know, Austin Eckler coming in at forty six was definitely the most pleasant surprise I think of anybody because. Once Ty Montgomery was on the list at, I think, like, 97, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a complete he disaster. Was? Yes. He was He was the third player on the list, man. It was, like, he was uh, – it was him and then, like, Justin Tucker and Kirk Cousins were, like, the first – Wait, the you ones. mean David Montgomery, right? David Montgomery, not Ty Oh, okay. What did I miss? Ty Montgomery, holy shit. Sorry, not Ty Montgomery. David Montgomery. I mean, still – Still but, not a great player by any means, you know, but 
once they put the, him there, I was like, oh my gosh, is Austin going to make this list? Like, what is happening right now? So, um, him at 46 was really cool to see, but Derwin and Justin, man, way too low, way too low. Change the narrative. There you go. There you go. All right. So, like I mentioned, we'll have a little bit of a different schedule this week because the Chargers play on Friday. Uh, so we'll we'll nail that down. We'll let you guys know as soon as we have that. Um, Alex, any final thoughts for uh, the evening before we head out? Uh, nope. Happy that we're finally almost at the end of the preseason, and then we get one more game on Friday. Uh, then we get to completely overreact and people will shit on us for the final 53 man roster cut down episode. Very excited for that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> just excited to see how this uh, progresses. I think we'll be okay because I think they're going to make some decisions that everybody hates and we'll just kind yeah. of ride that wave, you know? Oh no. But I just, wave. I just remember that I was called stupid when I was called, when I said that cutting Tyron Johnson was dumb. And then when we do the same thing for Bandy and other people this year, then do you think you're smarter than Brandon Staley? No, but I think that that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I think you you have a point there, Alex, for sure. But uh, we'll do our, uh, I think for the most part, in terms of predicting the roster, there's, I feel good probably about like 48 of the spots, you know, we'll figure out a lot of it depends on, on injuries and who can come back this week or not. But uh, we'll probably do our final roster prediction on Saturday. If you know, we'll see how that goes in terms of the final preseason game. But like I said, we'll, we'll let you guys know. Uh, Tyler, any final thoughts, man? Uh, no. <laughs> No, for our audio audience, uh, obviously Tyler uh, just typed into our chat. Uh, big thanks to everybody for tuning in. Had a really good audience and, and turnout for tonight, uh, even after a, a blowout loss in the preseason. So uh, excited to get to the regular season games, all the big stuff that matters. And uh, we'll obviously have you guys covered there. So that's going to do it for us tonight. Hope everybody has a good evening. If you have uh, a teacher in your life, you know, make sure and show them some extra love as everybody gets headed back to school this week. Uh, I know it's a little bit stressful in the Hagman household right now with all of that. And of course we've been moving. So if you know a teacher, give them a hug, give them a shout out as they have to deal with uh, all your crazy kids and getting back to school. So I uh, appreciate everybody working in the educational world. So that's going to do it. We'll see you guys later. Have a good one. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.